0: We are continuing this series about prayer called Airplane Mode, Uh, and basically that's because sometimes you have to just take time to pray. You uh, have to cut everything out. A lot of times we will kind of wait until the end of the day and and just kind of pray as we're falling asleep, and I know that I've done this, I'm sure everybody has, but you kind of, you're praying, and then you kind of get lost because you're tired, and then you kind of say the same thing a few times, And, and that's okay because God knows your heart, but it's better to have time. Where you're just talking to Him and it's just you and Him and it's going over what you need. And like when we talked about the Lord's Prayer and how you pray, you talk to Him about what's going on in your life. And you basically talk, you don't have to be fancy, you don't have to be Shakespeare, you don't have to sound awesome. You just talk to Him about what's going on in your life and what you need and what would help you. uh, How you've messed up all of those things. And then last week we talked about persistence. Um, And it can be hard when the answer is wait, harder than no sometimes, but you keep praying and you keep trying because not only does that allow you to keep hope, but it also allows you to learn patience and to have courage and to find other things to do and all of those things. Um, This week, we are going to talk about when we've really messed up. Uh, And so I'm going to read Psalm 51, but I'm going to talk a little bit about David first. So, David, most of us know from David and Goliath because he was awesome. He's this kid who gets called in. The whole army is terrified of this giant. Uh, And, you know, he was bigger than everybody else. He towered over them. He's mocking them. And everybody's scared because he's like, hey, if you fight me and win, we're done. Like, we'll quit. But if you lose, we win. And so that's a big deal. Like, that's an amazing thing. You have to actually win. And so everybody is like, man, I don't know, maybe I could. And King Saul is out there, and he's kind of iffy. He's like, we should win, but I don't know if we can. And then David comes up, and he's like, I got this. And they're like, "Uh, dude, you're like 15, and you're kind of short. What's up? Yeah, and, and it's like, are you sure? And he's like, I got this. Like, God is with me. Trust me. I can do this. And so in this story, like, it's so amazing because Saul then is like, ah. I don't know, but here, take all of my armor. And he gives him the king's armor, which is amazing and expensive, but it weighs him down because David's a, guy, a little kid, basically. And Saul is this king, a man, and so... uh David's like, I can't do this. And so he just goes out with a sling and a stone, as we know. And he kills Goliath. And he cuts off his head. And he wins. And then he goes, runs on his life. And several times while he's running for his life from King Saul, he spares Saul's life rather than killing him. And so he continues to be a man after God's own heart. He continues to be a good person. He continues to follow God. And we see this throughout his story. And then he becomes king. And he starts out really good. And he's like, God, I want to do so much for you. I want to build a temple. And God's like, no, you're not going to do the temple yet. You've got to help Israel. Israel, connect and unite and do all of these things, and your son will build the temple. Um, But I'm going to make sure your line is there forever, and his line is the line of Jesus. And that's where the Messiah came from, and all of that. And there's a lot of cool Israel history that I'm not going to go into. But he continued to follow God, and he continued to win and do awesome things. And then he went on the roof and he went on the roof, and he saw a girl over there, and she was attractive, and she's bathing, and he's like, hey, I'm the king. I can do what I want. Saul had had that mindset, and over and over again, he gave in to his uh, ego, and his greed, and his lust, and everything else, and so David, who had never been like, is like, man, you know, I've been a really good guy, and I've done so much for Israel, and you know what? I'm allowed to have other wives, and I, I don't care, and so he's like, to now, it's kind of creepy, but he hasn't really done anything wrong. And so he sends people over there, and he's like, hey, you know, go bring her to me. And again, to now, he's basically just a creepy guy. But nothing bad has happened yet. They come back, and they're like, uh, she's married to Uriah. And David's like, oh, Uriah, he's my top soldier. So this is basically this is basically like uh, Achilles, or this is like whoever the top soldier. This is like um, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Like this is a major dude. Who can do everything? And so David's like, "Huh, Uriah. He's fighting for me right now, like in the on the front lines against everybody. Ah, uh, who cares? I'm the king. And this is where he starts to sin. This is where he gives. This is where he gives in to his temptations. This is where he gives in to the lust. This is where he gives in to his baser instincts. And so he hooks up with her. Now everybody knows. Okay, well he committed adultery. That's bad. And everybody knows. Oh, well he had Uriah killed after this to cover it up. But first he tried to lie and trick Uriah into hooking up with his own wife. Uh, so that the baby, she was pregnant, would be his, that everybody would think it's his, and he could cover it that way. But Uriah, he makes him feel worse because he's like, yeah, I can't do that. I'm not going to do this while my, my men are out there fighting and waiting. I'm just, I'll, I'll go and sleep here, and uh, you know, I'm good. And David, it it had to make him feel worse, but he doubles down, and he's like, okay, take this note back, Uriah. So he literally gives Uriah this note that says, hey, uh, guys. Make sure Uriah dies in battle, so he literally has Uriah who had done nothing but good for him and who he had just stolen his wife from. Uh, he has him take the note back saying, "Kill him." And so Uriah, as a good man, doesn't read it, and he's taking his own death notice back. and so Uriah dies. Uh, David marries Bathsheba. Now all of that you've probably heard before, I've talked about it before. the thing that we sometimes miss is David was the king, as I said. So when he sent word to Bath, when he when he sent word to Bathsheba, uh, to say, "Hey, come here," she had no she had no choice. She had no choice. Uh, she had no choice in the matter. So essentially, he also raped her. So not only did he commit murder, not only did he commit adultery, not only did he lie, not only did he cover up, but he raped a person. And then uh, uh, he, he lost the kid, and he just he's going in way the wrong direction. And then this guy, this prophet comes in, Nathan, and he tells him this story about a rich guy that takes a lamb. And I'm not going to go through the whole story, but he basically tells him this story. And David is like, that is not cool. That guy took something that's not his. We got to kill him. And you see like this element of him getting so mad about it. And sometimes you'll see in people, when they have sinned, when they are doing something wrong, when they are messing up all the time, they will be so much more judgmental on other people. And it's like if somebody is doing bad things and lying or stealing or cheating, and then they see somebody else like jaywalk across the street, it's like, oh, that's the worst person in the world. And they get so much madder and they get so much angrier. And so that's what David is doing. And Nathan's like, dude, it's you. You did this. You stole Bathsheba and you did all of this. And now here's where David comes back because David, that's all bad. He'd done a lot of bad stuff. He had really changed. His heart was, was going the wrong way. But where Saul when God came to him and said, hey, you're doing the wrong way, Saul's like, whatever, I do what I want, and he kept going that way. Later, when Solomon is doing the wrong thing, and God comes to him and says, hey, you're doing the wrong thing, he's like, whatever, I do what I want. David, to his credit, said, oh no, I did it, you're right. And so, no one here is going to hopefully mess up and sin as much as David did. But, here is where it ties into us because we are all going to screw up. We are all going to do the wrong thing. We are all going to hurt somebody's feelings either on purpose or an accident. We are all going to mess up. And so this is David's response after all of this. And this is Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. One of the things you'll notice when an athlete or a politician or a celebrity kind of gets caught doing something, you see it a lot with tweets where uh, they meant to to uh, DM somebody and they accidentally send it to everybody, and it's kind of pervy or gross or, or wrong, or it says something racist or whatever. And it says all of that, and then people are like, whoa, this guy's awful. And they're like, oh, somebody hacked my account. But then when they have to apologize, they'll apologize in the way of, I'm sorry if anybody was offended. And you'll you'll hear politicians and celebrities and athletes and people say that. I'm sorry if anybody was offended. I'm sorry if my actions hurt somebody else. But they're never actually apologizing for what they did. David had done horrible things, but he's also the king. And he could have said, you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm the king. I do what I want. It's good. Instead, he falls down on his knees, and he's like, God, I messed up big. Like, I did the wrong thing, and how, whatever you punish me with, it's just. Whatever you do to me, it's okay, and I deserve it. And so he truly lowers himself. You are going to mess up. Now, I've told you that doesn't mean you go through life thinking, well, I'm going to mess up so I can do whatever I want, and then I'll ask for forgiveness later. That's a dangerous way to live. But... You understand that when you do mess up, you can ask for forgiveness. So if that happens, when that happens, do it. Don't, don't do half, half apologies. Don't do uh, half, I'm sorry, half, you know, it's, it's, I'm sorry if somebody got hurt or, or God, you know what, until next time, whatever. But actually say, like David did, I messed up big because he messed up big, but he was honest about it and he accepted the punishment. So many people today and throughout time won't take that part of it. They're willing to apologize, or they're willing to maybe even try to change, but they don't want people calling them out. They don't want to face the consequences. They think that, boom, it's over. Now, as far as God is concerned, when you ask for forgiveness, that's it. Like, you don't have to worry about it. Your past is your past. But with people, they're going to remember it. And if you hurt someone and you apologize, yes, it would be awesome if they forgive you, but they might not. So you may have to deal with stuff long term. And so to go on, uh, David continues from apologizing and just hardcore asking for redemption. Uh, Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Uh, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit in me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. (laughs) restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you then i will teach your ways to rebels and i will return to you they will return to you forgive me for shedding blood o god who saves that then i will joyfully sing of your forgiveness unseal my lips o lord then my mouth may praise you so he started with saying I messed up big, I sinned, it was on me, it's not anybody else's fault, it's not Bathsheba's fault, it's not Uriah's fault, again, so many times, and when I was joking earlier about Djokovic, and and LeBron, and people like that, and a lot of people, it's like, well, I'm sorry I messed up, but it was because of this, or it was because of them, or it was because of that, or it was because this person did this, or allowed that, again, David was the king, he could have said anything he wanted, and he could have said, well, you know, she was out there naked, this is on her too, or, hey, you know what, Uriah should have done what I said, or he could have stayed home, or whatever, but he's... Straight up lowers himself and says, this is on me. He takes full responsibility. And that's important to do, even if you don't deserve full responsibility. It's when you're atoning, when you're asking for forgiveness, take full responsibility. But then he goes on and he's like, hey, I don't want to stop here in the grief. Help me to do better. Help me to grow. Help me to to learn. Help me more than that. And I love this part. Help me to help other people to learn from what I've done. So it's not, hey, God, I did this. Forgive me. And then let's just move on. It's God, I did this. Forgive me, please. Now help me to tell this story to others so that they won't fall into the same sins I did. Help me to be an example. Help me to teach. Help me to to grow. And it's so powerful that he does this. And that's what you can do. Uh, In churches, sometimes we're told to hide uh, our our problems, our struggles. I I said this this morning, but I've said it before. Um, Everybody knows I struggle with mental health issues. I've been told in churches before, keep that secret. Because for a pastor, you have to appear to be perfect. Like you have to appear to not struggle with anything. or people are not going to take you seriously. But I don't believe that. I think that you have to be honest with your struggles so that people know it's okay to struggle and you can find help and you can find hope. And so that's what David is doing. He's like, hey, I'm the king, but I messed up big. And so I want to help people see how I messed up. I want to help people see what I've done wrong. Uh, Last part. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit. With burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then bulls again will be sacrificed on your altar. So he basically says, hey, you don't care, or you don't want me to... to, sacrifice every day for the rest of my life and ask for forgiveness every day for the rest of my life. You want me to learn and to grow. And so you ask for forgiveness for what you did and then you let it go and you move forward. Now you learn from it. You help people to learn from it. You talk about it, but you don't keep feeling the same. You try to let the guilt go. And so that's what he's trying to do here. And again, he had to pay consequences and he had to deal with stuff and he was willing to accept that. But he's like, God, once I ask for forgiveness, you forgive me because I'm legit and I'm real and I'm trying. And so that's what you have to know too. Sometimes we don't feel like we deserve forgiveness. Uh, the person I talked about today in church was Saul, Paul. And Paul murdered people, straight up murdered people. And then he went and wrote half the Bible and went and preached and did all these things and helped the same people that he had murdered from, murdered people that knew him, knew them. Uh, and so he didn't deserve what he was getting. Like he didn't deserve to be a leader. He didn't deserve to be forgiven, but God forgave him. We never deserve that, but he forgives us and he loves us. And that was impressive. And he He loves He loves uh, when we give ourselves to him and then we grow and we help people and Again, you're going to feel like I don't deserve forgiveness. This is only me that deals with this. It's never only you. Everybody in the entire world, the greatest Christians you can think of, they've screwed up big. Billy Graham, C.S. Lewis, whoever, they've screwed up big at some point. Not to the level of David, true, but they've screwed up big. And so they've all asked for forgiveness and they've all grown and they've all learned and they've all helped. And Rob can tell you, like, even as an adult, and I can tell you, even as an adult, like, when you go through this, we still mess up sometimes. Like, we still, we've been through this over and over again. We've talked about things, we've learned about things we've had countless sermons between us and yet we still are going to mess up because we're human and yet god still loves us and forgives us so just keep going to him and keep trusting him and allow him to help you learn from it don't pretend it didn't happen don't pretend that you've never messed up just allow him to forgive you and then grow and then help people uh, do everything you can to be like jesus and show them help them grow and be with them in every way uh and that's all i got